Thank you, Dai. How are you doing? Good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your grace, your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, as we gather together, we honor you. We're here to worship you. We're here to recognize that you are sovereign, that you are God, and that you are the one who, to whom all worship belongs. And Lord, as we open the word, I pray you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us, enlighten and illuminate the word to us. Not just what I say, Lord, but what you want to say to each and every person here. I pray, Lord, that we might have a divine connection with you, that your word might find a place in our hearts, take root in our hearts, and bring forth much fruit. We're thankful for all that you have done, all that you're doing, and all that you're about to do. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, good to be in church uh, this morning, our daughter flew to visit her brother in Texas. She's 10, she's 14 years old. And uh, of course, when you fly on certain airlines, uh, American airlines, you can't fly uh, in, uh, as an unaccompanied, you have to fly as an unaccompanied minor. So I had to go there, go through, check her in, wait till the plane took off. Of course, the plane was delayed. So Di was kind of panicking a little bit. Is he going to arrive? Is he going to be here? I'm here. And I was watching online. Aren't you glad that we have that, you know, our online service? I was able to watch online while I was there. But good to be here in church. Uh, next Sunday is Father's Day. Well, thank you for the underwhelming response. Uh, Father's Day is a day when I come to church full of expectation, expecting to receive a Snickers bar. And uh, so I will be very disappointed if we don't. I know the team have a special... Um, a special uh, gift for all the dads, and it's going to be a great day. I will bring a Father's Day message, which is not just for fathers, it's about, it'll be about fatherhood, and uh, God is our Father. Thank God for that. Um, so that's next week. A big thank you to everyone who contributed in our miracle offering. We gave our miracle offering last week as a church. If you haven't had an opportunity to do that, you can still do that. You can go online uh, on our website. Uh, you can go on to PushPay and you can uh, give your miracle offering there. Like I shared last week, if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, it is a very important and significant miracle offering for us because at the end of August, we're going to be moving, and that's going to require additional resource uh, to that which we would normally need. Uh, and we also want to be able to go uh, over and above and beyond just what we need for us as a church, but to be able to do what we can for people like Bijou, who's in India and living basically day to day by faith. And those of you that were here a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, you heard some of his amazing testimonies. And I just love being around Bijou because he's so full of faith and he has so many great stories of real life experiences on the front. And uh, they've been doing it tough in India over the last couple of years. So, um, so uh, yeah, we want to be able to continue to do that, continue to do what we do in uh, Santa Ana every week, giving up 
uh, feeding hundreds of people in Santa Ana week in, week out. We've done that during and through the COVID season. Uh, and we wouldn't be able to do that without your generosity. So thank you. We'll give you some updates on what collectively we were able to do uh, in the coming weeks because we know that for some people it takes a week or two uh, and we want to give people opportunities to contribute to that. So, so here we are, Sunday morning, June the 12th, 2022. And I'm starting a new series, of course, May. During May, we did a series uh, called Where's the Miracle? And if you didn't get to listen to last week's message, it was the last one. The title of that message was The Miracle is Here. And you can listen to that online, either on podcast or you can check out YouTube uh, online and you can see that as well. So uh, I'd love you to take a listen to that if you haven't yet done so. I explain in that kind of comprehensively about what's happening with our move. So I don't want to go into that, but I do want to start a new series. And this new series is called Living Stones. It's called Living Stones. And I want to read a passage of scripture from 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm reading verses 4 to 5 from the New Living Translation. And this is Peter speaking to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual house. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual house. Over the last two weeks, I've shared the uh, story or I've shared what we as a church, having been here seven years and now are moving out into a, having been in a permanent location for seven years, we're going into a, a, a kind of a temporary uh, situation where we uh, are going to be setting up and pulling down each week and moving into a movie theater, which we've done before. Like I said, we've been in a nightclub, we've been in a movie theater, we've been in a school, we've been in a warehouse, and now we're going back into a movie theater. And uh, I've been thinking about this because it could be easy for people or for us to think, well, this is a backward step. But in reality, when we think about the church, the church is not a building. The church is the people. Uh, the church is you and me. We are the church. And in this account or in this uh, letter that Peter wrote to the church, he, he reminds the church about this fact. He said, you are living stones being built into a spiritual house. And he brings the analogy of who we are as individuals who are brought together. Now, if I was to go through every single person here, and we were going to talk about our backgrounds, where we were born, where we came from, what our experiences are, how we came to be here, we, we, we could put together a fascinating kind of mosaic 
of all the pieces of, of our church community and all that you have to contribute and all that you have to bring to the life of our church. And, and uh, this is what Peter is talking about. He's talking about how we are living stones. God is putting us together. God is fitting us together so that we can build a spiritual house. And he's reminding us that the church is not the building. The church is the people. And the reason that I think that this message or this series is, going, is important and, and, you know, next week is, is Father's Day and we've got a couple of other weekends with other speakers, but I will be continuing this theme for a little while because I feel like it is a very important theme for us, particularly now at the end of this two-year period where we've experienced so much disruption in the church and has, has created a movement that has come out of the events that have taken place around the world through the pandemic and all of the impact of that. And of course, inflation. And I found out this week about shrinkflation. Have you ever heard about shrinkflation? Shrinkflation is the fact that uh, people who are selling food are selling uh, the, the food in the same size containers, but with less food in there. Um, and and well, it, it's, it's fine. It's just you've got to read the label. <laughs> and they're selling it for the same price. So you buy a box of, I don't know, whatever cereal you eat. I don't eat it. But if you, if you buy a box of cereal, you're buying a box of cereal. And, and it's maybe the same size, the same price, but there's less in it. And that's called shrinkflation. And that's happening all over the country. We're dealing with all these things that are taking place right now. And... Uh, uh, the, uh, the, I feel that this is such an important message for us, not just for our church, but for the church at large. And it's not because I want to create a narrative or put a spin on our move. I want to speak about the importance of the church. Uh, and it gives us an opportunity to focus on the true nature of the church. But in order to do that, we need not only to know that, but we need to have a revelation about that. And if you want a subtitle to today's message, it's the power of a personal revelation. The power of a personal revelation. There's a big difference between information and revelation. We have been and are in information overload. You probably are inundated. Your inbox is inundated with emails, some of which you have subscribed to and you don't really necessarily go through and cull them that regularly. And before you know it, there's a mountain of information. There's a mountain of emails. There are people who are giving us information, left, right, and center. We're on information overload. And information helps us to grow in our knowledge, but we also know that some of the information that we receive is incorrect. Some of the information that we receive is outdated. Some of the information that we receive is superseded. Some of the information we receive is irrelevant. Some of the information we receive is not helpful. Some of the information we receive is discouraging. So there's all sorts of information that we can receive, but there's a big difference between information and revelation. 
And in reality, we don't need more information. We need more revelation. And when we, uh, when we come to Christ, we, we begin to understand that everything he, that God does, God builds on personal revelation. There's a sad verse in the book of Samuel. After the nation of Israel had come out of Egypt through the promised land, they, through the wilderness, they enter the promised land, and before long, the, God's people are doing the very thing that He's warned them not to do, which is to, to turn away from God and to become influenced by the culture, the prevailing culture of Canaan. How easy it is to live our lives being influenced by the prevailing culture rather than being an influence in the prevailing culture. Our church, when we started it 16 years ago, Di and I said, we don't want to be a church that reflects the culture. We want to be a church that creates kingdom culture. And so as, as followers of Christ, Jesus calls us to be people who create kingdom culture wherever we go. The people of God had failed to do that, and here they are in Canaan, and before long, Samuel, who's the prophet who God raises up, the first of the prophets, uh, or the first in the order of the prophets, he says this, Samuel, 1 Samuel 3 verse 1, it says at the time when God was raising Samuel up to be a voice, to bring God's revelation to the people of God, that we read, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. How sad that is. That, and, and that is the result of the word of the Lord being rare. There is no revelation. And so there was no revelation. And as a result of no revelation, it led to the decline of the nation. So if we want our, our lives to be on an incline, how important it is that we have a, a revelation and fresh revelation that we're receiving from God's Word on a continual basis. I was learning that uh, I, I did a course some years back, and in the course, the, one of the thoughts that comes to mind is that uh, any system that is entirely contained without any outward input will always lead to decline. So if you think about it, for us to grow, we've got to have continual input, the right kind of input into our lives. And without that input, we begin to uh, diminish in every area of our lives. So a lack of revelation will always lead to decline because everything that God does, He builds on revelation. And here's a, a, here is a definition of revelation. Revelation is a revealing or communication of divine truth. A revealing or communication of divine truth. Something that is revealed by God to humans. The making known of something that was previously secret or unknown. Stop for a moment and think about a revelation, maybe that you, you received that changed the trajectory of your life. A revelation that caused you to make some decisions, some choices, 
a revelation of God's truth that maybe set you free in an area of your life where you felt uh, bound. And, and, and uh, that is the power of a, of a revelation. And the revelation that Peter had when he said, we're coming to Christ, who is the chief cornerstone of the temple that God is building, and you are living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. That revelation that Peter received was a revelation that he had on, the Mount, on Mount Hermon many years earlier. You remember the story, Matthew chapter 16. Um, uh, Peter is, is with Jesus and the disciples, and they're on the slopes of Mount Hermon in the reason, region of Caesarea Philippi, which is right up in the north of Israel. And they're standing on the, on the slopes of, the, of Mount Hermon, right near a, a pagan temple, in actual fact, where there was a, a shrine to the pantheon the, of the Greco-Roman gods, a place where the pagans worshipped, right at the foot of Mount Hermon. And uh, Jesus asks a significant question. He says, who do you, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, others say you're a prophet. And Peter says uh, to uh, uh, Jesus, asks, well, who do you say that I am? And we're going to read here. Let's take it up from this verse here. Um, where are we? And then Peter, um, and, and he said to them, but who do you say? That I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose in earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Peter had a revelation. And it was this revelation that transformed his life. And it was this revelation that Jesus said he would build the church on. And we're going to dive into this in coming weeks. We'll talk about this a little more. But just in broad strokes as we look at this, the important thing for us to understand is that Peter had a revelation of who Jesus is, that Jesus was the Christ. Now, it's easy for us in hindsight to say, well, that was a very simple, basic question. But what we need to understand is at that time, not even Jesus' brothers and sisters believed that Jesus was the Christ. James, who became the uh, head of the church after Jesus' death, didn't even believe that Jesus was the Christ until after his resurrection. So we could say, well, this was an obvious question. It was obvious who he was. Jesus had been performing miracles. Jesus had done what no one had ever seen before. He'd raised the dead. He'd walked on water. He'd opened blind eyes. He'd opened deaf ears. But was he the Messiah or was he a prophet like Elisha, a miracle worker? Or who, or who was he? 
And Peter had a, a revelation. And Jesus says, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. It wasn't revealed to you by human means. It wasn't revealed to you by information. It was revealed to you by revelation. And it is so important that we understand that we cannot build our lives on information. We can only build our lives on revelation. I don't want to dive off on a tangent, but I see so many people around me who are making decisions, making choices, building their lives on information that they're receiving that may not be verified. How many of you know that Google is not 100% accurate? How many of you know that the media is not 100% accurate? How many of you know that most of the information that we receive needs to be verified and checked before we take it on board? And some of that information is only accurate at the time of communication. And we all know how fast things change. Technology changes. The world we live in change, changes. There is so much that has shifted over the last couple of years in particular. And yet, there are truths in God's Word that have stood the test of time, will continue to stand the test of time, and the revelation of that truth is where we need to build our lives. So Peter had this amazing revelation. And, and the first thing that I want to highlight as we look at the difference between revelation and information today, as we look at the power of a personal revelation. Peter had a personal revelation. I pray that we all have a personal revelation of Jesus, the Christ. I pray that we all have a revelation of not only who Jesus is, but what his purpose is. And I was waiting for London to fly out as I was thinking about this message. I, I took a screenshot on my phone. I went on to Bible Gateway. I was thinking about this. And I want to read you this passage of Scripture. It's not going up on the screens, but this is hot off the press. And, and I, I love this. If you want to know what it's all about, this is what it's all about. And it's in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Colossians 1 verse 15. Here we read, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. I've got goosebumps reading this. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated 
from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish firm and do not move from the hope. Here we go. And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Whoa. There you have it. Boom. All in one passage. It's all there. He is the firstborn of all creation. Everything was created through him and for him. He is the head of the church. He is, uh, he is the one who God has, has sent to reconcile us through his blood. Here, this is the most important thing. Hey, I want to tell you this just from my heart today. The most important thing that we need to know is not what's happening with the stock market. There was not much response there. We do need to know that. So don't, I'm talking about the most important thing. Did we get that? The most important thing. The most important thing that God sent Jesus to reconcile all things, every person on the planet to him. That's what's most important to him. And that, I pray, is the revelation that all of us have. That is the most important thing. And let us never lose sight of that, that fact, that that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus was sent. That is his purpose. And I, as someone who has a revelation of Christ, as the son of the living God, must have I'm talking about me here. I must have a revelation of his divine purpose. And if I have a revelation of his divine purpose, that takes preeminence above all other things. Because at the end of the day, I know as the years go by, we collect things, we, we, we become involved in, in all of the things in life. But at the end of the day, that is the thing that must burn the, the, the brightest in our hearts. Because that is God's divine purpose. So that was a revelation that, that, that Peter had. So uh, the first thing that I want us to, first point I want to highlight is that revelation is not easily moved from its purpose. Information is easily moved from its purpose. You can have a lot of information, but you may not be prepared to give your life for it. But if you have a revelation, you're going to be prepared to lay down your life for it. And every single one of the disciples gave their lives literally for the sake of the gospel. They had a revelation. And Peter had a revelation. Information wasn't going to get Abraham from Ur, where he had a revelation, to Canaan. Information wasn't going to get him there. It was revelation that moved him and kept him on track. Jo information wasn't going to get Joshua into the promised land. In fact, information was going to keep him out 
because it would fill his heart with fear. How many of you know that information can fill your heart with fear? Sometimes it's TMI, too much information. Don't need that information. Information wasn't going to get the disciples to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was only revelation that was going to do that. And revelation will take us where information will never take us. So if I want to fulfill my purpose, and all of us here have a, have a divine purpose, and of course, the bigger purpose of God to reconcile all people to himself, that is the overarching theme of God's purpose. But God has a purpose for your life. In whatever field he's called you, uh, in whatever ministry you have, whatever giftings you have, in whatever, in whatever place you, you are a part of the church, God has God has a, a, a purpose for us, but we have to have a revelation of that if we want us to if we if we want to see our purpose fulfilled. Revelation is not easily moved from its purpose, but information or it is easily removed from its purpose. It's interesting that God said to Abraham. Whatever you see, I will give to you. He took him up to the top of the mountain and he said, Whatever you see, look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Whatever you see, I'll give to you. And that wasn't just that he was going to get a bird's eye view of the promised land, but there was more to that. God said, I want you to get this into your spirit. I want you to see it. I want you to get a revelation of it. I want you to have a revelation of the part that you play in it so that through you, I can fulfill my purpose. And I feel like that's what it is for each and every one of us. We can only really receive what we're able to see and, and take into our spirits by revelation because Revelation will take us where information never will. A personal revelation makes us an irresistible force. Someone who has a personal revelation will always be, uh, will, will always be able to push through what other people who merely have information will push through. Revelation will put a fire in our, in our belly and Jesus said, I say to you that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now that picture sometimes gets inverted or we, we, we get a picture of the gates of hell advancing on the church. That's not what this is at all. This is the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So just in case you are reading the wrong information, the church globally is not in decline. People's attendance at church has been disrupted, but God's doing something. God is at work because he's doing some things that are needed for the next wave of what his spirit is about to do. And so what the enemy would try to do at as he sits in the gates of the city, is to intimidate us 
or to feed us with the wrong kind of information that will give us a perspective that the church is not as relevant as it used to be. The church is, well, some churches are not relevant, but uh, make sure you're part of a church that is relevant. But the church is, the, the church is, um, is, um, is de in decline and people are moving away from the church and the church, the, the community of faith is no longer significant or important or whatever it may be. But the revelation that Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And the gates, as we know, were the place where in ancient times the elders of the city met. It was where they allowed people to come in or come out of the city. It was where court cases were, uh, were heard. It was where uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard would have been in the court, in the gate of the city. Uh, and... and uh, <laughs> I had to get that in somewhere, and and all the and all the elders of the city would have been pulling their hair out. Um, anyway, that's as far as I'm going. And and in the gates of the city was where all the court cases, where all the decisions were made. And the gates of hell is the authority structure of the devil and his kingdom. I grew up on Derek Prince. Some of you won't know who Derek Prince is, but Derek Prince was, a, was an outstanding Bible teacher. I happened to have gone to the same school as he went to in England, and he uh, was saved during the Second World War. He was in North Africa, and he had an encounter with Christ. He was physically healed, got saved, and became a great Bible teacher, well-known. You know, some of you will know him here, but I grew up on his... I had, a, I had his... Um, I, had, I was a part back in the day of a cassette lending library. Some of you would not even know what that is. Some of you don't even know what a cassette is. It was a cassette lending library, and it was run by a Christian organization, and you could, you could uh, do a mail order, and they would send you some cassettes, and you'd pay for it, and then you'd send them back. And I would wait. You know, I would wait for the cassettes to come, and Derek Prince's tapes would come. And I'd put them in, on in my car when I was driving. I had a job as a sales rep, and I drove all the way around the city of Sydney. And while I was, while I was driving, I would listen to Derek Prince's teaching, and I would, I would soak it up. And I got his Foundation Doctrine series, uh, which is an amazing foundation of, of the Christian faith, in-depth teaching. I loved, I loved Derek Prince. But I happened to go online the other day, and there was Derek Prince. And he was in an, uh, it was a very old setting, very old setting. And the congregation looked very old. But, um, but he was teaching about the, the structure of Satan's kingdom. And he was talking about the authority structure of Satan's kingdom. How many of you are aware of the fact there is a devil who hates the church, hates Jesus, and if you're a follower of Christ, he hates you. Which is why Paul says we should not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Some of you maybe have had an onslaught in recent times where you felt like the enemy has been pounding you down. Maybe you felt like uh, you've been through one battle after another. And I think sometimes we, we need to be aware. We have a spiritual enemy. And sometimes there are things that happen 
that are spiritual. And we have to take authority over them in the name of Jesus, in the God-given authority that we have. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will by any means hurt you. We have an authority. And so it's that revelation of Jesus. It's that revelation of that authority that we have that means that this is, this, 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 whatever you're going through, number one, we have authority over it. And number two, even though it, we, we, it seems like we're not getting that breakthrough, God, Jesus said the gates of hell, that's not just the physical place of hell. It means Satan and all his ruling uh, demons and all of the structure of, uh, of, of hell and the authority structure within Satan's kingdom that is coming against you or coming against the church, they will not be able to prevail against the authority that you have and that I have in Christ. The opposite of prevail is to be victorious. The enemy is not going to be victorious. The opposite of prevail is to prove to be more powerful or superior. The enemy is not more powerful, nor is he superior. The opposite of prevail is to endure. The enemy will not be able to endure the church of Jesus Christ. The opposite is to prosper, to flourish, to have power and influence over, to be dominant. The enemy will not be dominant in your life. And that needs to be a declaration that we make on a consistent basis. If you have kids, if you have kids, you know as a parent what it is to pray. You know what it is as a parent, what it is to struggle. You know what it is to, to be awake at night and to, to have your heart, your kids on your heart. The enemy will not prevail. You have the authority. I have the authority in Jesus' name. And we need to take that spiritual authority and understand and not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And when we read that, who's the church? You and me. We are. We are the church. Our time's coming to an end, and I'll continue with this in the coming, in the coming weeks. But I remember when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Many of you will know my story. If the worship, the worship team are already here. Okay, so good. That's good. Um, uh, many of you will know my story when I was a younger man. And I was traveling around the world. I traveled from England overland to three years through Africa and Asia and into Australia. And when I was in Australia, I was saving money to go back to India uh, to maybe join an ashram and find enlightenment in one of the Indian, uh, one of the Indian veins of, of uh, what was happening at the time over there. And I had an encounter with Jesus. I had a revelation that changed my life. 
But before that, I had an introduction. And there's a difference between an introduction and a revelation. I want to in introduce people to Jesus, but my passion is for people to have a revelation of Jesus. And in that introduction to Jesus, I asked myself the question. And I said to myself, I do not want to become a part of something that I'm going to be diverted from or something that I'm not going to commit my whole life to. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it wholehearted. And so I waited and I thought and I prayed. And ultimately, I came to a place where I had a revelation and a literal vision of Jesus. And that vision of Jesus and that revelation in my heart has, has never gone. Of course, that was the founding, that was the, the starting point. And of course, I've had other revelation upon revelation upon revelation over the years. But God can only build on our own personal revelation. And that is the big thought that I want to leave with you today, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person. God can only build on our own personal revelation. And I pray that as we navigate this next season for our whole church, that we will have a revelation that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. There are many facets of that, many things to, to ponder, many things to explore, many things to think about, the ramifications of that. But I pray that we will have that revelation because when we have that revelation, God can build on that and he builds with people like you and he builds with people like me and he builds with the person who has yet to make a decision to accept Christ as their savior. And there are many and many who have been a part of the house of God and are wavering or many who are just waiting. But let's pray that we can be a part of seeing God's kingdom come, God's will be done, and his purpose come to pass as he brings all things, all people to himself in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for our church. We're going to sing a song in a moment. Um, maybe you're here watching online or maybe you're here in our building today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior or maybe you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are opening up our hearts to receive the greatest revelation that we could ever Receive that is the revelation of Christ, of Jesus, and all that He can do to transform our lives. And I pray that if you haven't made that decision, that you would, that you'd have a revelation of God's love, you'd have a revelation of God's grace, His forgiveness, you'd have a revelation of His Spirit and how His Spirit can live on the inside of us a revelation of his divine purpose for your life, that you were born not by accident or by chance,
but for a divine purpose. And I want to encourage you as we all pray this prayer together, to pray it from your heart. God is going to hear it. He's going to answer your prayer. And you will never be the same again. Shall we pray this together? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I open up my heart to receive a revelation of who you are, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for your blood that was shed for me so that I could be forgiven. And today, I bow my knee to you as my Savior and my Lord. Help me to live my life the way you created me to live, to follow you and to fulfill my divine purpose and to partner with you in your divine purpose for our world today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and